Welcome to Thanks for the Feedback SeaTech Podcast. We're excited to be with you and hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We are now in week eight. I am Nicole Huff and with me is Sylvia Ellison and we're excited to be with you today discussing chapters 10 and 11. And just to start, um, chapters kind of with an overview. Our chapter 10 is about setting boundaries. And I think it's interesting in the part of the book that we're at is now we're getting down to like the nitty gritty of the the pieces around the feedback that can mm-hmm. help uh, make it more successful. So chapter 10 is about boundaries and how to set them successfully. I think we're always told how to, but this is, I thought this was a nice practical step. And yes. then chapter 11 will be about communication. How do we communicate because once we set boundaries, we're still responsible for the outcome of the feedback. And so that communication piece is going to be very important. Um, I think today we're going to use Lectio Divina. Yes. With both of our quotes. So we're going to start on page 221 in chapter 10 about using and. And Sylvia and I both marked this because we loved this. I marked pretty much half the page Uh, and Sylvia helped me narrow it down to the quote at the bottom where it says using and to describe our feelings isn't just about word choice it gets at a deeper truth about our thoughts and feelings they are often complex and sometimes confused so Lectio Divina step one literally where is this in the book it has been talking about how the tendency for us is to use but I love you, but I would love to help, but I want you to come and right. stay, but and and that that's not really what we mean, because the but sort of negates it, and that instead we should be using and because our feelings are complex, and this goes with the story of Huni and her mother, and how her mother criticizes often, though she may not realize it, and Huni wants her mother in her life, but wants that balance and doesn't want to damage her own self. And also about the the story of the guy at the brokerage firm. Hang on a second before you go to that guy. In the Hooney story, which I thought was really impressive, I wrote down on page 216, she said, this is not the legacy her mother intends, which is that critical one, right? Right. But without some change, it is the one she will inevitably leave. And I thought that was a neat connection, now that you're saying this, that as mentors uh-huh. um, or as people giving feedback, we have a an opportunity to impact change. However, if we're not careful, the legacy that we leave will be one of criticism. So it's almost like the peer evaluating program. The intentionality was to give feedback, to improve, to have collegial conversations with teachers about their practice. Mm -hmm. Of course, I think once we set a pay scale to it, that kind of did some damage to it but I think also at at some point through multiple factors as I love how Sabrina said it some there was some nastifying (laughs) process right so the legacy that was left did not in any way shape or form equal the intentionality and the intentionality was let us look for, share, find, give feedback for great teaching. Let's improve every classroom. Right. But Um, Mary Ellen came to the room of peers, Mary Ellen Ilya, and talked to us. And I remember her talking about, should we say or should we not say? Should we go in? Should we do this? And 
it, she was always very clear that she would say, for our students, if my student is in your classroom, I would love to know that you see the whole room and can do everything. That she, she didn't want us to wait. She didn't want us to pull punches. She didn't want us to be mean. Right. She wanted us to be honest and be a second set of eyes in that room to see things from an outside perspective. Because while you're there and doing it, you're in the mix. And so it's hard to see everything. And that was really the goal. And to be honest about what was going on, that we didn't do anybody any favors by just on the old system giving everybody top right. marks. But then you're right. We add some money to it and some evaluation and not just the observation. And we're used to all getting A's and an A looks like the top grade on the system. But really the top grade in exemplary is more like extra credit. And there's a lot of right. mixed messages and it ends up leaving a bad taste in your mouth. Right. So, I, you know, getting back, what Hooney was saying, with, you know, what they were saying about Hooney was that her mother being very critical mm-hmm. was really, I think, had great intentions. She wanted to help her out, but the legacy, and I think that's what hit me the most, the legacy that she was going to leave mm-hmm. was not only one of my mother hates me, criticalness, but also Hooney could also become a critical person like her mother. Yes. Right? And, and I it, think that's the issue that we're going to find in working with teachers is that, um, what was it in here? It says... Um, it talked about how you would hear the voice in your head and that the voice in Hooney's head becomes her mother's voice and that she may hear this isn't right and this isn't good enough and, and you're right. doing this wrong over and over and over again. And so... As coaches, when we're working with our Aspire candidates, if we're giving them feedback, we have to be really careful about the tone we're using because we don't want our voice in their head saying only negative things about their writing. We don't want our legacy to be that they feel this isn't good enough and why am I even trying? Right. And there's a spot in here where it said that... um Oh, it was about the idea that um, we have a responsibility for our message. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not. Oh, I wish I could find it off the top of my head. This, but it was it was something about that we are responsible for the the impact that our message, our feedback has on others. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's important that we um, use the I think the correct word choice that that yes and um, mentality. I know at a leadership conference that I was at. They talked about when you're in an idea sharing mode, which I think this might be where we are with our our people when we get into collegial conversations, is that the word but actually cuts short thinking. But so whenever but there I go using it. When we are having conversations with great ideas, what's a way to increase communication is yes and. and. Yes and. So yes means I, I've heard what you just said. I validate that idea. And let me add either another idea or add to your idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if... Or another perspective. Right. Or another perspective, it's still adding to it. Because even if I think my perspective is different, if we're idea or brainstorming, if we're idea boosting or brainstorming, we do need to add to as opposed to contradict. We're not discounting. Right. Yeah. So on page 225 is what it says. That means you do 
you need to do what you can within reason to reduce the impacts of your action or an action on others. So that's the idea of mitigating the cost to other people. What I think is interesting about this yes and concept um, is really what came out at the end um, of the chapter, which says coaching people. So as we're giving, as we're talking and communicating, setting these boundaries, when we when we use the yes and mentality, it makes setting boundaries easier. It makes um, giving and receiving feedback easier. Um, I really liked on page 226 the answer to that. So, you know, when we're doing this, yes and, and we're talking about setting these boundaries, I like the idea of coaching them to deal with the unchanged you. So whenever I decide that the feedback's not working for me or I I can't handle blah, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. that's different. It says it was a lot of effort for almost no benefit. So I give you all permission to cut me off. So in other words, uh, this lady was trying to make the adjustment that would help benefit the team, but it was not working. And by the way, this is totally me that she's describing. (laughs) So I give you all permission to cut me off, red card me or throw me in the penalty box. I don't mean to dominate discussion, but I imagine I'll continue to do it without realizing it. I promise I won't think you're being rude. I need the help and I appreciate it. And so I really liked that. I think that's a great kind of like a boundary we can set as feedback givers is that if I feel like I'm pressuring you, I give you permission to say, I don't need that right now. Or that's not what I'm looking for. Um, I did this yesterday in our coaching meeting. I felt like there was some tension building and I couldn't tell if it was me or the others. And I said, can I take a pause here? Like a kind of time out. Mm-hmm. I need to let you all know that I'm a verbal processor. I like to talk through ideas. So when you give me feedback, I'm not being challenging. I'm processing it. And I have to do verbally, which might come out as though I'm being defensive. It might come out as being I'm argumentative. But really what I'm doing is I'm trying to make the argument to see which side I fall on. Because I have to verbally process both sides of the coin to Mm go, oh yeah, yours makes more sense. Mm -hmm. But until I hear it, right? And so just by putting that on the table, the one person went, oh, I knew that about you. And the other person said, oh yeah, we talked about this. The other person did not know that. And so it made it like, oh, okay, we're all good now, right? Now this makes sense. Right. So I think that that kind of, sometimes we need to... permission to the candidates Mm -hmm. or permission to the person to coach me back you know like if you feel like I'm doing more talking than you I give you permission to cut me short and say time out you've just said a whole bunch of stuff and I don't know how to process any of it right yes I am a talker (laughs) my husband reminds me while I'm talking to Sasha when I have said too much and she is four and cannot process that much and he is no longer listening he's like stop you've lost her I need to be shorter. And it's the same thing here. I can easily see myself talking to someone who I am coaching and continuing to try to explain because I don't know that they have gotten it. And so I'm continuing to say the same thing again and again and again in new ways, which I get from my father. And I knew that he did it. We used to say that he would use this phrase, like I say. And so he would give you a whole spiel about what you should do, 
And then just as you thought he was finishing and you could like agree or disagree, he would go, so like I say, and start it pretty much all over again. And I am doing that unintentionally. And I am working on it, but I'm not there yet. So I absolutely, I love this. I give the people around me permission to cut me off. For my husband to tell me, you've lost her. For candidates to say, stop, let me think, let me process. I heard you, you said it. And using and to describe those feelings in that situation really does. I love how the, the, the truth about these, they're often, our feelings are often complex Mm-hmm. And they're sometimes confused. And we've talked in the past about that that sidetracking or um, switch tracking. And we've talked about m- labeling things in, in spe- instead of giving specific details or feedback. So I think that setting boundaries kind of falls in that place. And using the word and is a way to um, continue the conversation, to keep it going with without crushing somebody's feelings or making them feel intimidated. I think there's a spot in here that said that when we give feedback, it you can be compassionate about the giver's needs without becoming their hostage on page 213. Yes. And I think that that mentality really set home with me that sometimes when I receive feedback, I feel like I have to do it or I'm going to hurt their feelings or I have to follow it or I have to argue with them. You know, my mother and I are a lot alike. We're discovering this even more with my dad being in his physical and mental condition that we're we're so much alike that that's why we don't always get along. Mm-hmm. Because both of us are strong-willed. And I named, I named I labeled it last night, so I'm good with this. We're both very strong-willed and we are tight our take charge personalities. Well, uh, when you have men in your life who grew up in that traditional, I'm the head of the household mindset. Sure. And they're mentally not always present in today's time period. Mm -hmm. Can't always be the head of the household anymore. Correct. It's hard to make him feel like he's still the head of the household when you know that she has to make the decisions. And so it's, it's, it's kind of one of those that the unchanged you coach people to deal with. Yeah, compassion hostage, compassion hostage. Where do mm-hmm. we draw the line? So I like the, I liked that simple technique of using and. So, yes, daddy, and we can do this. Not instead of yes, daddy, but we need to do this. Right. I mean, what a difference that makes because it's yes, but so it actually says no. Right. Whereas yes, and, and says yes, yes, and let's go do this. Right. Right. So, um, with that being said, I think we've made a lot of personal connections. What's our call to action? I actually, at the end of this chapter, wrote a question in my margins, which is kind of cool. I said, what happens when candidates decide not to take our advice? So yes, how do we, and. <laughs> and how do we deal with this coaching the unchanged, essentially, response or entry? Right. Okay, you know, the coaching was that students on the video don't look like they're being as as actively engaged though from your writing and from what we know from you this was a fabulous lesson with lots of things it's just hard to see some of it in the video you don't want to refilm so we need an unchanged you yes there was great stuff here and there's also some issues you're going to need to explicitly address we're going to have to deal with one two and three so i think what it means is uh when a candidate says i disagree 
they never say disagree. Right. They'll say, I think that my video and my writing align. Right. So I think as a, maybe our call to action would be to, first of all, we can't let that impact us, right? right? That our, we have to accept that our feedback to them could be right and they're not ready to have it. So they've set a boundary. Mm-hmm. It could be wrong and we've just not maybe read as clearly. It could right? be like the truth triggers. Way back in the beginning, yes. we talked about, you know, there was a, a story in here about two people that worked together and one saw one thing and one saw something entirely different right. out of the interview process and how they were interviewing candidates. The teacher may see something very different than we are and we need to potentially use some questioning techniques to help get at their truth in order right. to see. Yeah, and I think the third possibility is that you're right, and they may be like me, they're arguing about it until they come back and say, I agreed with you, right? And if they didn't want to mm-hmm. refilm at that moment, they might have taken that feedback in. They might have gone and gotten a second opinion. Also true. So they might have decided that your feedback was accurate, but in the moment they couldn't admit to it. So, and did they went, but they went back and refilmed or they went back and rewrote. Or even um, just rewatched or re-read. Or got a second opinion, or, you know, from somebody they also knew. So mm-hmm. I think that as a, can, as, a, as a professional learning facilitator, as a mentor, as a teacher leader, um, one thing I'm continuously reminding myself is that, that my feedback is not gospel and that that teacher can either take it, dismiss it, or hang on to it. And my goal is that they at least hang on to it. That somewhere mm-hmm. down the road, they say, it's almost like growing up and you, you're, you're to, your parents tell you something and then finally somebody else comes along. In the book, they talked about the stranger saying, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I'm a strange lady comes up to you. But somebody else comes along and says, you know, if you did this, it might work. Wow, that's the same thing that that person over there told me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to go back and revisit that, right? Right. I was reading yesterday, uh, George Coros sent this email out about habits and goals. And as I was reading, I went, oh my goodness, what our area superintendent was talking about systems instead of programs now makes sense. It's like somebody keeps describing something over and over again using the same words because they think it's very clear. We need to focus on our systems. We need to look at our systems. I'm thinking, what in the world are you talking about? And I could never figure out the difference between systems and programs Mm. until George Kouros wrote about habits and goals. So his goal was to run 100 miles, not at one time, but in total. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I could never reach that goal. It was a, I was a failure at it every time I said it. So instead, I created a habit. And my habit was to run for 30 minutes five times a week. I still think that's a stretch for me, but okay. But that adds right. up to 100 miles pretty quickly. Right. And then the other thing, he, the other great example, which is something that is kind of leaning towards me, is that he never thought he would be a, an author, a writer. Um, and he's just, he's a brilliant mind, right? I mean, just like mm-hmm. as an educator, I just would love to sit and pick his brain sometimes. But he never considered himself to be an author or a writer until he, goal to write a book, never happened. But he created a habit. I'm going to write three times a week. Mm-hmm. And that habit got him to the reach of the book. Right. So when it comes to, you know, things that we're doing, our systems, mm-hmm. what were our feedback that we're giving people, it needs to be in small chunks because maybe that's the best way for people to take it. But when they don't take it, it doesn't mean that your feedback is bad. 
it we might require some yeah. introspection to say, may is it bad? Is is my what I'm giving them wrong? You know, it might say, hey Nicole, I'm gonna be I'm gonna work with this person. Can you coach me? Sure. You know, and even sometimes what looks like feedback being dismissed is really feedback being hung on to, right. and we don't know it. Just like the story in here about the cop, right? Who needed the hearing aids? He wasn't dismissing them. He just didn't tell them what he had done so far. Right. And so sometimes it's not always explicit. And we need to remember that with people too, is that sometimes what's going on in their head is not what they're verbalizing yet. And maybe they're not ready to yet. Which leads us to the next chapter about communication. And how do we navigate that conversation when we are or are not sure that our feedback is clear? That the people are, when we see a pattern where we're giving feedback, but people don't seem to be liking it or don't seem to be taking it or don't seem to be wanting to work with us. And trust me, I've been in those, I've been in all of those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even been in situations where a year later people were saying that my, I was, I was too harsh or I was too much. Uh, and somebody else said, no, she's prepared you. The reason why you did so well this year is because of the, you know, yeah. so, it, you know, I, I've been in those boats where people did not want to work with you or did want to work with you beside, because of right. A, B, C, D, or E. So I thought that the next chapter was interesting because it really focused on that communication skills. Um, and it talked about different arcs in communication and different skills. And I believe that our quote um, is on page 241, which actually goes through this whole Oh, there's so much meat in this one about (laughs) clarifying purpose and checking status and the four skills for managing a conversation. I really, by the way, liked the when when empathy shuts down and when you're triggered from uh, from assistant to bodyguard. I mean, these were just such wonderful things. On 237, I love that box that tells me what my internal voice is so I can find out the trigger. That's wrong. That's not helpful. That's not me. That's 100. Those three statements Mm-hmm. are my internal voice all the time. And then 239, can you give oh. me an example? What did that mean to you? What, yes. The, that, once I recognize what it is, I know what to ask in order to move yes. forward. I loved those. And like I think we've said earlier about taking pages of this and just wanting Keeping to make them. a poster somewhere and putting <laughs> them so I can like always see them. I think that what, what really hit me on this one First of all, I have to point out on the bottom of 241, it does say that sarcasm is always inconsistent with true inquiry. And I have gotten to the point where I don't use sarcasm. And in fact, I don't recognize a lot of sarcasm. And I think that's also part of my truth problem. But but the the um, the quote that I wanted us to, to concentrate on, which I think will mm-hmm. encapsulize this whole chapter, is on page 241 uh, in that right after that subheading it starts out with saying it seems paradoxical to talk about assertiveness in the context of receiving feedback but the next line is what was so key to me but feedback is not simply a thing the giver hands you and you receive i think that's what happened happens a lot with teacher evaluations mm-hmm. instead feedback the two of you are building a puzzle together and i think that's what was like that's such a great visual because like in the next one, it shifts from being I'm right and wrong to what's left out. And if you think of that, when you put that puzzle together, but when you get <laughs> to the end of the puzzle and there, you're missing a piece and all of a sudden you go searching, you search everywhere, you, you search around the borders, you search right. under the table and sometimes you slide your hand over it, over the, uh-huh. and there it is. Right. And sometimes 
you don't know where it is. Sometimes it's like a mile away. Sometimes you have to make up a piece. Right. We've done that here in the library <laughs> with the actual puzzles we do. But it, what a great metaphor. So yeah. we had a fish puzzle. And there were a couple pieces missing because it took us forever to put it together. And it's a library with 2,000 students and night school and everything else. And so when I glued it together, I was still missing a couple pieces. So I put um, like construction paper behind it. That I and and kids helped me kind of color it to be about oh, the yeah. right shades. Well, if you're close to the puzzle, you can see that that piece doesn't fit, but from a distance, you can't. Right. And the metaphor there is that we are building this together. Mm-hmm. We have to ask questions. We have to search and find the truth and find all of the information and not just the labels. And. If not everything fits, it's still okay to show it off. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can find something close. We may not have the exact right language in every point of entry that we write. We may not have the perfect video. But we can find something that if we work together with coaches and teachers can be close enough fit to make it work. Yeah, and I agree. And there's just so many different types of puzzle pieces when it comes to feedback but the idea that we're working together to put that puzzle together Mm -hmm. to put it together is so important I remember walking into evaluation meetings with teachers not evaluation I was just observation the the observation post-conferences yeah and I remember them just sitting there wanting to to receive everything I had to say Mm -hmm. and I on those conferences I kind of I kind of left disappointed because I really want their voice. Right. The ones that I loved the most were the ones where the teacher did more than half of the talking that I was able to confirm or they saw or the same thing. They saw the same thing or even worse they gave themselves such horrible feedback that I was like, "Oh, I didn't see that at all. I loved ABC. I loved XYZ, right?" And and to validate some of the things that they weren't sure were working. But they at least came up with that conversation. They they had that, that communication piece. Um, some of the best ones were the ones that were more accurate than mine, um, even when I was wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I saw Johnny sitting by himself the whole time and you know, we could Oh, Johnny's an introvert and he um he was having such a rough day that day. He actually, before class, I don't think you saw it, but he came up to me and said, Miss, I know that this is important to you, but I just can't work with anybody today. May I? And I'm like, wow, how neat that you knew that that could Mm -hmm. impact you. And yet you put your child, that student in front of, which is really what was important anyway. I'm not important in that situation. Um, So that the teacher was bold enough to say, I don't care who else is in the room. My students come first. I think that was really cool. What I also liked about this chapter, just putting it in context, is that right after it goes, it talks about this puzzle pieces being left out. It goes to the common assertion mistakes, and I really, really appreciated the pitfall, the better, and then the analysis. Right. So, like that advice is wrong because that's what goes on in my internal voice. Right. And instead, change your shift to I disagree with that advice. And then you can explain why right. and discuss it. And and the advice is often just a label from previous right. chapters. Uh, what was it? I, I, it's true. I'm hopeless. That's the pitfall. And mm-hmm. how often do we tell ourselves that? How must our students tell mm-hmm. themselves that? I must be a failure. Right. This and test instead, isn't going to show anything different, miss. I fail them all. I'm going to fail this one. Right. Instead, 
the better would be I'm surprised by all this and it's a lot to take in. I want to take some time to think about it and digest what you've said. Let's come back to it tomorrow. What, how cool would it be that uh, if we could have those conversations a day after? I think that as candidates, let's think about this over the next meeting, over the next month. Mm-hmm. And when you come back, let's see what decisions um, right. you made. Because ultimately, this is your piece to right. contribute or this is your... Um, your entry and you have to make those decisions Mm -hmm. because this is a reflection of you not of me and sitting in those evaluations at the end of the year with a with your supervisor or sitting in those post conferences with um, a mentor or a peer you know you're right that if I did all the talking as the peer about what I saw and the teacher just received it Neither one of us really got much out of that because it could have gone in one ear and out the other and just, okay, I'm sitting through this, I have to. And if I could stop and ask questions, do you agree? Am I speaking too fast? What did you see? Even those things. I learned that when I wasn't getting anything back, it may have been for any multitude of reasons, and I stopped and started asking questions because it should be a puzzle. Right. We should do it together. It's actually references on 246. It says yes, that we should be we a referee, right? And it says the referee stops the flow of the game to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And that's precisely the goal of process moves. So when you, I think, as, when, as feedback givers, even as feedback receivers, either one of us can become a referee, quote unquote, right. and say... I need a pause here because either one, I'm not agreeing with what you're saying, or two, I don't understand what you're saying, or three, I'm not sure why you're saying what you're saying. That's if I'm receiving it, right? If I'm giving feedback and I'm not feeling it, my, my timeout, my process move might be to stop and say, like you said, how does my feedback sound to you so far? Mm-hmm. You know, does my feedback make sense? Does it align with what other people have told you? I think that's a big one because, well, the person who read that last week says it sounded good, but you're Mm -hmm. saying it sounds bad. What evidence do you have that either supports my feedback or goes, or is on the other side? Do you have evidence? Kind of like trying to ask what puzzle piece is being left out right Right. now? Is it I'm talking about systems and you don't know what systems are, Mm -hmm. right? Or is it about information regarding the content you know is it i'm going too fast is it too much me (laughs) right Um, i think there's just so much uh, piece of that Mm -hmm. Um, on page 247 it even adds to it that um, part of the idea of feedback is creating possibilities yes so sometimes i think we give candidates one answer when there could be more and it says kind of about halfway down just a little past Mm -hmm. halfway Finding possibilities requires two things, attentive listening for the interest behind the feedback. So we have to know why we are giving it and they have to understand why we're there. Uh And then the second part, which is to me the most important is the ability to generate options that address those interests. It's options. We live in a plural world, a plural society. There is not one right answer. This is not an absolute science. It's an art and a science. Right. So my question there was, what kind of options are we giving candidates? Or what kind of options are we giving teachers? I find that as a writing coach, I have a way that I like to do things. As a, prof- as a professional learning uh, developer and uh, facilitator, I have a way I think things work best. 
um, what I'm having to concede to is that that my that I'm not perfect, <laughs> and that my way, while excellent, isn't always best. Right, because we have to know who we're right. who we're giving it to. Our audience changes what is best. Correct, which is what led to that conversation yesterday with my other coaches. Is that I'm not I'm not arguing for the sake of arguing. I'm creating an argument for the sake of my own verbal processing that I have to argue my way into your opinion mm-hmm. or in my you're argument, still, you're still creating possibilities. Here. Yes. You're problem solving to create possibilities just yes, like the headings exactly. that were there on 246. Yeah. And I think that when we talk about those puzzle pieces and if we're creating those options, that leads to that final step with them, which is on page 250, that we close with a commitment. And I love this mm-hmm. idea. What if we closed every conversation with a having our person, I love you, getting a sentence done, putting on a card. Okay, I want you to answer this or say this. I want to think about what you've just said. Let's talk tomorrow. Right. Or having them just, I know that we use commitment statements in lots of um PD as mentors, like mm-hmm. at the end of every session, we had to write a commitment statement. Sure. And I never fully grasped the value of that until reading this piece. It's a part of the puzzle. It's that final piece that you mm-hmm. put in, which is, I've heard what you've said, and I will commit to this. But it could be as simple as, I want to think about what you said, and let's talk next month. You know, we just did that the the power and and what you do we're not always intentional and this calls back the PD we just did actually with the library we have relatively new standards and a book on them the national AASL library standards and they're very different than previous standards there's it's like a four by three by two there's a whole system that's very different so we did a whole PD around digging into them And we had teachers read and discuss with protocols and come up with what that looks like in different lessons and answer lots of questions. And I had this whole long thing over several hours digging in. Everybody dug into like one piece of the puzzle in lots of different groups. And then we put all of them together. And we didn't want to leave with just like a gallery walk where you looked at all of the posters of all the things that people did to show all the stuff. So instead, we had people leave with a post-it note. And it was intentionally a post-it note because we wanted them to take it back and stick it to their computer or desk. Ah. And we're like, it's just a post-it note. If it gets changed, it's fine. But what we want is one of these ideas that you've said would help beef up one of these new standards, you know, a, a way to beef up the engage or the grow or the think in this new standard. Take it, put it on your computer and try it. Sometime between now and December, here's your commitment. Your commitment on a post-it note. So we had an action plan and a commitment. But like you said, it might just be a STEM starter statement. It might just be, it's the little thing. What one piece can you say yes to? And it may even be a yes and to go back to the last chapter. But those commitments do help bring this forward so that it's not something in isolation. And that's the same here with this feedback. We don't just want to have even the best conversation with someone and leave it there. What we want is for this to go and live. So can I 
can I meet with you about this tomorrow? Let's see how it goes. One small commitment or step helps everyone know that this doesn't just die here on the table. Right. And I think that kind of the concluding for this chapter, even though it says putting it, there's another piece about mm-hmm. the conversation in motion. Right. Um, which once again, they just have, it's three versions of the same conversation. Four. Or excuse me, four. <laughs> and the fourth one is the one that actually works. But I, but I like on page 251, and I guess this would be my call to action, is to remember right there in the middle of the page, feedback conversations are rarely one-shot deals. They are usually a series of conversations over time, and as such, signposting where you stand, what you've accomplished, and what you'll try next helps you travel the road together. I think that as mentors, as teacher leaders, as uh, professional learning facilitators, we are going to have those moments when feedback is a one-shot deal. I often think of it as like watching children grow. Our kindergarten and first grade teachers have a hefty responsibility of planting wonderful seeds. Um, they have to plant them in mm-hmm. rich soil. They have to they have to plant them uh, the right seeds at the right time. And they when they do a great job, our intermediate teachers are able to water the right things and provide the right mm-hmm. fertilizer and um, give it just enough sunlight. And, and our middle high school teachers see well, it flower. our middles right our middle school teachers may see the little sparks little blooms they might see where we need to put some different fertilizer or mm-hmm. some medicine quote unquote on it but our high school teachers kind of get to reap the benefits of all the work of these teachers right. so it's really cool um, I know one of our local high schools actually takes their seniors back to the elementary school to do a graduation walk I love that and when they do that. The elementary kids, of course, love seeing that. But I think more importantly, I think the teachers love seeing, I worked with that kid. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember him. I remember her. I wasn't sure that my seed planting, quote unquote, was working. But look there, that's what. And I think that if we remember that our conversations are kind of like that, that, that one mm-hmm. shot might be, I just planted a seed. Or maybe I watered it and didn't know I was watering. I thought I was mm-hmm. seed planting, but I was really watering because somebody else said the same thing. Or maybe I had to put a different type of fertilizer on because they put one for flowers and this one needs one for tropical plants. So this one, you know, they used Mm -hmm. cacti and I need vegetable. But the end, we all get to take glory over, we all get to take joy over is when that candidate receives a passing score or a score that is better than they expected. Like I put Mm -hmm. my entry in last, last year and I told uh, Sabrina, I hope for a two. And she said, this is really good. If I get anything back higher than a two, I'm going to be thrilled. Right. Even though I, you know, I should be aiming for a four. Uh, I just had too much in my life last year to put things together until kind of like a last minute. It didn't mean that I didn't appreciate the feedback of the facilitators that worked with me. In right. fact, I did appreciate it. A lot of times I re- appreciate the space they gave me. I appreciated the moments when they said, wow, you're doing a thorough job with your standards. And then I remember appreciating one of them that said, you're spending a lot of time on your standards. I know that's important. I think you need to start writing. Yeah, do <laughs> you know, more too. <laughs> right. So it, it was like, I'm sure that was hard for them to say, but at the same time, it was needed. You know, and right. I, did, I did end up not finishing going through all my standards that I needed to because I did have to eventually just start stop writing. the process and start writing, which is it maybe why, why Sabrina thought my writing was so good. By the way, I do find out, 
in about four days, my Ooh. results, because I got an email yesterday. But I think that going back to this idea of feedback, signposting, I think, is so cool because it lets everybody know that it doesn't matter what happened in our conversation space today. Mm-hmm. It means both of us got something out of it. And right. it may be something that we say no. It may be something that we say yes. And it may be something that says not yet. And we may only see that candidate once. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still look at the commitment and the where we're going next at the end of this. Mm-hmm. And maybe you will see that person again at a PD in three years and they can tell you about something then or maybe not. Um, but it is a conversation. And yes, I think is a call to action, both from this quote, from the last quote, from the whole book. I am always called to not just talk, but to talk in small chunks, to pause, and to ask questions, and specifically here, to ask, what should our next step be? What commitment are we going to have here? It's like so that even if it's just the once, right? we together, what should I do and what are you going to do? What are we going to do together for it this? It comes back to that analogy. You, 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 you described it without describing it, but a puzzle... It, the good ones are like 500 pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Or 1,000 pieces. Yeah, if you're really, ooh, I love those. Um, they're not five big pieces unless you're a preschooler, <laughs> right? If we're thinking about feedback in a 1,000-piece puzzle, every little conver- every little piece of the conversation is so important, but we've got to make sure that we don't destroy each p- a piece mm-hmm. so that we have to fill in the pieces with construction paper. Right. <laughs> right. Although that's a very creative way to solve that problem when you have so many other factors contributing. But clearly communicating, setting the boundaries becomes two very important skills. Um, that's actually going to lead us to our next podcast. Right. Um, chapter 12 is about taking action. And chapter 13 is about uh, feedback in organizations. I haven't looked at that one yet. I'm kind of curious as to what that looks like overall. Um, so I can't wait to talk about that one. But I think... We're all in Getting, organizations. Yes, Let's exactly. Let's see how this goes. Um, whether it be your school site, our district, whether it be the National Board Advisory Council, whether it be professional learning facilitators, mm-hmm. whether it be online ch- Twitter chats or there uh, are Facebook lots. panel you know, groups, there's so many organizations. So it's interesting that uh, as humans, we have to navigate so many factors in regards to living. And it seems like feedback, the more I read this book, the feedback is in every little ounce of the life. Yes. This book is about professional development and growth, but it's also a self-help book. Let's be honest. <laughs> How many times have I thought of my marriage, my friends while myself, reading this? Yeah. But yeah. How do I work and make myself better as a mother, as a, as a, you know, it's not just about this. So I love this book study and I love that we're doing this together and I can't wait to see you next week for our last uh, podcast that we're recording. And then we have one more live session as well after that. And I would like to go ahead and establish an idea for our live one, uh, our live webinar. We have been contributing all of our quotes to this, mm-hmm. but there's a sacred reading practice that we've done where you gather the quotes from the book in order and create a new text. What is that one called? It's called Florilegium. So it's the flowers within the ledger. Uh, and so this is a practice by monks 
that used to sort of keep journals, diaries, that sort of thing. A lot of people do this, not just monks. They keep quote diaries, yes. you know, of the things that you see. Well, if you take all of the, the quotes from the book that you have pulled out, those little sparklets or flowers, and you put them together, you look at the conversation that that creates. Put those quotes in mm-hmm. conversation with each other, and something from chapter one and something from chapter five come together and give you a whole new meaning right. and a whole new text. I think that would be a great way to wrap up this text. So, as you guys are reading through these chapters, Part of the feedback form that we may add uh, is what are your favorite quotes from different chapters? You don't have to give us one from every chapter. It could be just four or five quotes. Try to tell us where they are because we try to put them in order. And then that way, the live webinar, we will, quote unquote, generate a community text based on the the pieces that we love the most and see what it says put them in i love that put them in conversation with each other yes and i think that'll be a nice new sacred reading practice Mm -hmm. that we could address and introduce you all to um, at the end of a text it's a nice way to wrap up our conversation i look forward to seeing that thank you so much what a great idea